Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Carl Funk was born in 1971. He received a BFA from the University of Manitoba in 1997 and an MFA from Columbia University in New York in 2003. He's had solo exhibitions at the Winnipeg Art Gallery, the Rochester Art Center, and the Contemporary Museum of Art in Montreal. He's been included in group exhibitions at venues including the Montreal Museum of Fine Art, the Chiasma Museum of Contemporary Art in Helsinki, the Plug-in Institute of Contemporary Art in Winnipeg, and the Foundation Antoine de Galbert in Paris. His work is held in major museum collections including the Guggenheim and the Whitney in New York, the National Gallery of Canada, and the LA County Museum of Art. He lives and works in Winnipeg, Canada. I met up with Carl at 303 Gallery, where he recently had a solo show of paintings which was reviewed in the New York Times, The New Yorker, and several other places. We spoke about art school working in Canada, electronic music, painting to movies, and much, much more. Here's our conversation. Yeah, and I can tweak things a little bit, but only so much. So I'm glad that's there. Yeah, that is, um, you know, I forget the title of it, because everything I, I just title is untitled with a number. Um, oh, the chronological titling. Yes. You've got to commit to that, right? Is that like a lifelong? <laughs> it is now, because, you know, I want the paintings to be like a very, very slow narrative. And yeah. so I struggled with that years ago to give them a title. If I gave them just too many words, it would be like a window into a larger narrative. So I started doing the untitled with numbers. Yeah. And now I'm just committed to it. And well, I think you've got to do it now. I've got to do it. I think I'm at number, um, I might be working on number 87 right now, untitled 87. This, uh, that does something too, the fact that you're always cognizant of what number you're on. Um, you know what? It, it's in the past. It stressed me out because I've I've always worried about productivity. I paint so slow. Oh yeah, and you're like, why am I not up to two hundred now? Or like a thousand? You know, <laughs> like I have some friends who who paint in watercolors and yeah. they produce a ton of work. Right. Um, it's just different. You know, the yeah. nature of studio work, obviously. But um, so I worry about that. Yeah. But now I try not to think about it. And sometimes the gallery has to remind me of you know, oh, this might be is this number eighty six or eighty seven and. Right. That's good. You're like, oh yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> Fifteen years later, I've done eighty-five paintings. So. It, well, they. I'm sure they take a while. Yeah. Do you work on paper? Do you do a lot of drawing? You know, I used to, but in the last like, um, I would say six, seven years, I haven't touched paper at all. It's just been primarily painting on, yeah. on panel. I used to. I used to sketch a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. Like my painting process is almost the way I started. It's like a, a staining process, so it looks like watercolor. Mm-hmm. And that's the grisaille. Yeah, and it, it's it's almost like I'm drawing um, for the first week or two in the painting, just kind of figuring out where everything's going to be. Yeah, and I think that's completely replaced me working on paper. Just that that part of the process of painting. It's incorporated into it. Yeah. Well, how did you learn to paint the way you paint? Because your work is obviously the the technical proficiency of what you're doing is a big part of the you know of the draw like how you lure people into it it's like oh wow that's that looks real or you know there's that kind of that pull 
So did you teach yourself to paint that way? Or? You know, I guess I, everyone kind of... You, you kind of do. Teachers. I had some really good teachers in, in uh, undergraduate. And where um, was that? Where that, did you go to school? It was back in Winnipeg, where yeah. I, I live, mm-hmm. uh, University of Manitoba. Yeah. So there, there was some you know, uh, technical kind of shop talk mm-hmm. back there. It's funny, and when I took my MFA out here in New York, there really wasn't any talk about technical aspects of painting. It was merely, it was purely uh, conceptual at that point. Yeah. But it, so it was a little bit of getting some guidance in my, my BFA, and then just really figuring out what worked best for me. It right. was almost like accepting my my temperament and my personality, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. allowing that to become part of the process. Yeah. And um, but you know, I, I looked a lot at. Andrew Wyeth mm-hmm. and his watercolors, especially some of his watercolor studies that were, I guess you could say almost like half finished. And you could sort of see how he was um, locating space mm-hmm. and how he would build up information. And I sort of, that seemed to work for my personality. So I started to block in things with simple stains. And then eventually the painting gets more kind of dense and the information gets a little more thick and, and pronounced as, as the painting progresses. But it was really just me kind of finding my way through it. And, you know, I actually, I, I painted an oil paint before I started painting with acrylic. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to uh, paint like Lucian Freud. There yeah. was this Lucian Freud book lying around the, 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 the painting barn. Mm-hmm. That's where we painted back in, in the, when I did my BFA in Winnipeg. And... The whole wet into wet process just did not work. I had no Wasn't control. <laughs> no, it didn't work. You know, I, I, everything turned into just, just to a mess. Um, I, I didn't. I couldn't figure out colors that way. I had no control over them. Yeah. And so I started using acrylic, and it was really just trial and error through the, um, you know, letting acrylic do what it wants to do, which is dry quickly. Yeah. And just and layering it. Just just layering yeah. it. So I was able to do in one day. You could do like a hundred layers if you wanted to, right. and it just allowed me to slow things down, and so just a little bit of luck and and time in the yeah. studio, you know. Man, imagine. Well, yeah, I guess the wet and the wet. It's two different ways of working. It's funny with acrylic; people don't think of it as a glazing medium, but you can completely, you know, you can layer away with it, and it's faster. Like I work with a hair dryer. Whenever I want to like speed things up, you know? I, I do that a little bit too. I'll have a fan if it's if it's really humid sometimes. Yeah. Or if an area has been, you probably can relate to this. If it's been worked quite a bit, right? You want it to dry quicker, right? Yeah. Yeah. I take the hair dryer out. Yeah. Just, <laughs> it works. Yeah. And like, I mean, nowadays I really mix working with like taped edges on certain things that are more geometric, and then working with my hand as well. But when I do use tape stuff, you know, I learned that trick in grad school. One of my professors was like, hey, you know, this is after years of working with tape. He's like, hey, do you want your edges to be kind of crappy like that? And I was like, not really. He's like, do you want to know how to fix that? And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, oh, you just put matte medium down on the tape before you and let that dry. And then you paint on it and you get a nice crisp edge. I was like, it took me five years of painting in school before someone like told me. And from that point on, I was like, oh, now I know how to do it. It's like one of those little nuggets of like, you know, learning where like in art school, there's so much of it is, is like you're saying, like the conceptual side of things. But every once in a while, it's just nice to, to get a pro tip, you know, like someone just tells Absolutely. you, like, you can just do this. And that's like makes everything easier. It's funny because you get into your, your little zone and you've given yourself these rules that you're mm-hmm. not aware of in your process. And, and it just, 
you know, you get trapped maybe a little bit. So sometimes a little tap on the shoulder can help, yeah. I guess. Yeah, definitely. Do you actually put matte medium over the tape? Yeah, so okay. what happens is when you work on canvas, like I never want my canvas to be super smooth. I kind of like the tooth, you know, to show. So, but if you want a tape and you want a clear edge, a lot of times the paint will go under those little gaps where the tooth of the canvas is right. if it's not burnished really tight. But if you matte medium it, you seal that edge with a clear seal. So anything that goes under is clear. And then when that dries and you go over it with regular acrylic and you peel the tape off, you get that perfect edge. It's almost like you're giving yourself, you know, like a, a, a super flat surface to begin with, but it just happens to be, you know, transparent. And it just, it, it tears off in a nice straight line. I mean, Perfectly. it does. I've seen your paintings. Perfectly. Yeah, I would yeah. never have thought. Hmm. Yeah, that's the trick. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I have some students here sometimes, like, you know, they get that really fuzzy edge. And I'm like, it's cool if you want that, but do you not want, you know. Right. And I, I make it a point now to, like, let them know early. Like, if you don't want that, you can fix that, that sort of thing. But, yeah, was it refreshing to go to grad school, like, to have a more conceptual-based you know, dialogue when you were in graduate school? For me, it was, it was really, it was good because um, there was theory and art history uh, mm -hmm. in my undergraduate, but it's not New York City, yeah. Winnipeg, and no disrespect to it, I love it. It's, it was a great university, but coming out here was, was really good. Mm -hmm. um, just the dialogues you had with, with other people who were just basically more well-read yeah. in, in theory. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it just, uh, yeah, I mean, I think if I hadn't come out here, I probably would be struggling still a little bit or, or just paranoid a bit yeah. more than I am now. I, I feel like I don't read enough anyway these days, but... Um, it's time, right? <laughs> yeah, no kidding, it's hard, but um, it, was, it was great, and it just it pushed me off in, in a, another direction, which I'm grateful for, just to be able to, you know, appreciate that, that art theory a bit more. I don't really think about it on a daily basis in my right. studio anymore. I mean, it's it's not really a part of the practice when it comes to painting, the painting process, but yeah. um, it's there. And yeah. I, I still I still challenge myself to learn more. I don't know enough, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a never, and I feel like we use it so often too as a support, you know? It's just nice sometimes to, re or, or like if you see someone doing something, whether it's music or theater or movie or something, and there's something that connects in your work to their work, it just gives you energy. You're like, yeah, yeah, we're on the same wavelength or something. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. It's always nice to have that kind of, you don't need it. You can do your own work in a bubble, but it's nice to feel that you're connecting to like other people who are being creative and doing, doing those things. You know? Absolutely. In it's, fact, the last couple of years, um, you, you'd mentioned that you're, you're a father. Do you, yeah. do you, have, you have one child? Or I, one and done, yeah. Okay. How old, how old is your, your <laughs> He's child? He's 10. Okay. My, my son is seven. Yeah. And... Um, you would know that time is is so difficult to to find. <laughs> to, you know, like I struggle with like I just to go back to reading. Like the last since he's been born, it's not his fault. It's my fault. But I just I don't read as much. Oh yeah. And it's it, I worry about that all the time. I'm trying to to read more. But what I've done is now I'll go to YouTube and I'll find just like lectures or mm -hmm. panel discussions. Um, you know, from wherever from art critics and artists and. And I'll have them playing while I'm painting. Yeah, and that's helped me relax. Yeah. And it, it really works because if it's a good um, a good discussion or a good panel discussion, um, I can listen to it two or three times, or just save it and go back to it if I yeah. I feel like I didn't get it all in. So and it you helps. can work while you're doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Which is the difficulty, especially when you have a kid. It's like your time in the studio gets compressed. You know, it's like okay, now's the time. I used to just have all day and all night. 
and you know I would like futz around on the internet or do this or do that now it's like when I go to the studio it's go time and yeah. like I work and you know and then when I'm off I spend time with my family so it's you know it's hard to read when you're working <laughs> it <laughs> doesn't we're in the visual field you know? right. <laughs> yeah. so like books on tape and podcasts have been really um, a save a saving thing for me I think in the studio yeah but do you listen to music too when you work or is um, it all you know I talk? do I did um, music. I still listen to it, but it's weird. I kind of got burnt out on that for like like a good ten years. Mm-hmm. Like I listen to um, in the morning. I listen to CBC Radio. Yeah, they've got great programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the afternoon, I listen to music. But I got tired of that. So if I'm not listening to to something on YouTube or some video or lecture, mm-hmm. um, I have movies playing in the background. Oh yeah. And so they have they have to be a movie I've seen like a million times. So I don't really. Distracting, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. have it playing in a little box, you know, on my computer. But, but it's comforting, and it's it's, it's the same thing as um, listening to your favorite song a thousand times. Right. And you yeah. think of how much work goes into a movie. Yeah. Like it's insane how much process is is behind that finished product. So, you know, I, I don't, I'm I'm okay to listen to a movie like thirty or forty times over the course of five years. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> this may be crazy, but you go, you go nuts in your studio, and you find ways to have fun. So. <laughs> So you is your studio where near where you went to undergraduate school? Um, it, my studio is actually in my house, mm-hmm. you know, in the basement of my house, and um, from the university, it's maybe ten kilometers. Yeah, it's not too far. So you're you're in the vicinity. Yeah. Is there a sort of like? Do you feel comfortable? Were you much more comfortable working, you know, there at home than when you were in New York? Uh, you Was know, there a difference in your, you know? relationship to the studio? I don't know. If I think back, um, like, when I was living here, doing my master's, you know, things were, it was crazy, like a crazy tempo, being in grad school and trying to get the work done, going to your classes, reading, going to as many openings as you can. You know, I was going to the Met all the time. Like, every weekend, I would go out there. Um, It's hard to, to remember exactly how it was. I mean, I got work done, but now... I'm kind of like a nine to five working person. Like mm-hmm. I, I go to the studio Monday morning at nine o'clock, and then I have to quit around four thirty to go pick up my my son from daycare. Um, I think I I mean I really like my my process and the feeling in the studio now. Mm-hmm. If I had to go back to that crazy tempo when I was living here, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. You know, it was you know going to school or going to the studio maybe a little hungover because you were out at an opening and you went and partied and. I can't function like that. Right, it's yeah. all clean, healthy living. <laughs> as much sleep as possible to get into the studio feeling good. So yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not implying your age, but as we do get older, it's almost like you know. I feel like if I'm not exercising or eating right, I don't have that studio energy. You know, like I need to just be able to to maintain that for my my. I can't pull the all nighters I used to. You know, that just like ruins me in the studio. I feel like I'm making bad choices if I do that. What are your stu- uh, hours like? Are you kind of like during the day when the family's separated? You're yeah, doing stuff. Yeah, during the day, and and when I'm when I am teaching, when I do work while I'm teaching, I can work at night, you know, because I'm not in that mode. But I, I kind of squeeze it in when I can. Sometimes I work late nights after everyone goes to sleep. You know, is a good time to do some work too. So I've become a little more segmented about it, and I work in different places now too. So I have different studios. So I've become more nomadic in a sense, but it, you know, I just feel like I just have to maintain my health in order to like 
to function. It's almost like, you know, a sport. Like, as you age, you have to stretch more, exercise more, make sure you're eating right. You keep hearing, I keep hearing now that the football season starts that Tom Brady is 40, and he's an elite quarterback, and he's, I think he's vegan or, like, I think he's vegan or has a gluten-free diet, and he's, like, stretching, and he's, like, taking all these supplements. And it's like, as you get older to stay on top of your game, you just have to, like, take care of yourself, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I subscribe to that because I just feel better whenever I'm doing that stuff. And it helps my energy level, I think, making work. Absolutely. Yeah, no, my, my wife and I, we, we eat as healthy as we can. Um, we'll try to go to the gym three, four days a week. Yeah. Um, sleep is, is totally, I mean, after having a yeah, pre, pre-kid, I never counted my hours of sleep. I never worried about that. And right. now, like even last night, I was in... Um, you know, just walking around a Union Square by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't even go have a beer. I was just tired. I sat on the, on the steps. I'm like, I should just go to bed so I feel good for tomorrow. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to go out tonight for dinner with friends, so I'll have a couple drinks. But yeah. it's like I, I think about that way more. How how am I going to be able to be an optimal, you know, energy level for the next day? Right. And then when I am tired, it's like I'm so grumpy, and I just can't. You can't be a total grump to your family, so you have to just suck it up. And, yeah. and I hate that feeling right, of just, right. like, fighting it. Yeah, just putting a good face on. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's a totally different feeling, you know, when you're, when you're energized and all that. So, and one thing, circling back to your work, too, in being based where you're based, I kind of love it because when I first saw your paintings, I'm a big Boards of Canada fan. Like, I really love that. Do you know that? Absolutely, the I musician. love it. Yeah, and that's what I kind of hear in my head when I see your painting. <laughs> but, I mean, there's a climate thing to that, too. I feel like, you know, their music sounds like it could be in the northern hemisphere, you know, kind of like in cold climates and, and kind of removed from the grid. And it's, I would imagine that's kind of a vibe that you're going for in your work. Um, well, there's definitely a mood of, of isolation, mm-hmm. um, but it's... It really, you know, the idea um, sort of the beginning of this project was was formed when I lived here in New York, mm-hmm. and it it started. It kind of happened by chance that all these these pieces came together. But like like I I love Renaissance portraits, and and you know coming from Winnipeg, there just wasn't the Museum of Metropolitan of Art, or, or there just right. wasn't historical paintings like that to be viewed. So I was going to the Met as much as I could, looking at Renaissance portraits. Um, you know, the urban density was something new for me. Mm-hmm. You know, Winnipeg is, is a kind of a medium-sized city in Canada. It's like, I think, 800,000, which sounds small, but for, one, for Canada, it's, it's yeah. bigger. Right. You know? um, but the, the density of the city here was just, you know, overwhelming, but I just kind of liked it. It felt cool mm-hmm. to be here in New York City. and Compressed. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, just being on the subways, and I, I talk about this a lot, how just that experience of, of being crammed, like, shoulder to shoulder to, to strangers and um, being able to, for a minute, kind of be like a voyeur. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can see the back of somebody's neck or behind their ear or, or you know, you and I would never sit that close right now and, and look right. at each other a lot that way, but you can kind of do it in those moments. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was painting figuratively. I was doing a lot of... Sorry, this is my long answer to your question. No, I yeah. like the long answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was painting figuratively, kind of doing these suburban narrative paintings. I, you know, I want to do something like Eric Fischel or mm-hmm. Todd Haynes. And, um, 
but that's all people talked about when they saw those paintings. So I realized right. that's not going to be my voice. Yeah. So all these things were going through my mind, like going to, going to the Met, seeing these paintings, this urban density, um, wanted to do figurative painting. And somehow I just decided to kind of strip down the painting to its most simplest form, which mm -hmm. is sort of like the head, and just make it a portrait. And actually, this, this painting here mm -hmm. uh, on this, this catalog um, was the first one I did in that series. And just by chance, uh, this friend of mine was, it was a really cold day um, on Columbia campus there, and he had his jacket up, and the hood was covering his head, and you could just see his nose and his mouth like that. And yeah. I thought that was just a really interesting portrait, it would be an interesting portrait. Mm -hmm. So I photographed him and painted it and it wasn't until I, I started doing a couple more portraits in this kind of format that I realized that this could be an interesting kind of combination of an, a portrait of urban life but also the isolation you can feel in like a large density uh, a large city center that's got a lot of high density of people yeah. and then maybe there could also be um, a bridge to the past and to the present right. through these modern, like kind of Gore-Tex, uh, you know, synthetic plastic, um, you know, materials that, that these these kind of uh, outer outerwear jackets are made from. Um, so it's it's kind of all of that. It's like isolation, but yet urban, urban yeah. density. Yeah, and is yeah. there also that the faint relationship to religious iconography or like hoods or monkish sort of, you know, that kind of myopic or you know there seems to be a focus there whenever it's almost like these people are shutting out the world in a way and that kind of you know closing off the weather it happens to be the weather but it has a relationship to that kind of older painting too you know those kind of portraits so I imagine that's why the Met and like a lot of those older portraits really kind of like are an inspiration I would imagine to to your process yeah it, it just yeah, it's like finding shelter for a yeah. minute, you know, in, in a busy life and right. in, a, in, a, in a crazy world. And um, it also just strangely reflects the the studio environment too. I mean, by myself, you know, mm -hmm. six seven hours a day, a couple of months on on one painting to finish it, and it's just this very quiet, contemplative kind of feeling in the studio. And which think, is it's at odds with like society with this idea of everything just so much all the time but in a way it kind of does isolate us you know what I mean like social media or the internet it's like there's a lot I feel like I people spend a lot more time on their own in front of their phone or something than they do out socializing or networking in the flesh you know or at least it, that it gives me that feeling to an extent and I, sometimes I think of like an electronic musician like these guys could be like electronic musicians too and they might maybe focusing it's like now you can make all your music on the computer like one person where you see so many uh, I go to so many shows where it's like one guy in his laptop performing as opposed to the band with like you know 12 people or something so I think it's it, we've been enabled to to focus or to isolate ourselves more so. Absolutely, everything's been just brought down to these little tiny like your like you said your laptop, your phone, these little devices. Everything's there. You can the whole world. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's funny. Like even again, like like I like sitting on out in parks in New York and Union Square. There's people watching people, but then there's just everybody's on their phones. I mean, yeah. I, I do it too. There's times where I'm like, yeah. whoa, I was just like looking at that phone for half an hour <laughs> like you know just, just for no reason I mean there was a reason but it, it feels like it was not a good reason at the time yeah and you so, look up and you're like oh yeah I'm here yeah. there's all this other stuff going on <laughs> you can really get lost in it you know yeah I guess that kind of concentration too 
that's what I, I always feel like that's why painting is such a great form of of art or creative expression is that you really see and especially in your work you see the time that someone's spending on this one thing in isolation you know what I mean and there's that you can't separate the experience of that I mean I'm sure and I've seen a lot of people just will take a quick snapshot of your painting and post it on Instagram and say, look at this great painting, and then move on to the next one. I've, but, I've done it too. Yeah. I go to the Met and do it for so many. Right. <laughs> so. But I think people are genuinely looking at the work and saying, like, wow, look at the time and the, the focus that's being done on this one singular thing. I think that's a real strong part of the work. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's nice if people can feel that. I mean, it's hard to direct people, you know, to have a certain experience, but time is... is uh, a huge part of the process. Hopefully the painting hums a little bit like that. Yeah. 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 And it's a different, you know, I, one of my favorite artists on Kawada, he did, you know, doing the date every day for right. forever. That's, that's such an amazing commitment to time. But I think the viewer sees that work conceptually and, and the phenomenon of like seeing the date painted like that, there's a different sense of time in that painting. You know what I mean? It's a reference to it. And then it's the broader picture. Whereas I think in your work, there's a real, you can get lost in the folds and just get lost in there and think about all the time that's, you know, uh, taken just to describe that that one form. Yeah, it's, um, you know, when I was here uh, doing my MFA in New York, there was a lot of talk about that, like just like, um, like honest work and, and like like hard work and the mm-hmm. hours and, and like that that is, you know, usually respected and, and people can see that as a, as a good quality and... You know, just, just labor. It's you, undeniable. Yeah. You, whether you like the image or not, that guy worked his ass off on that painting. You know, yeah. there's, there's kind of a, a reality to that, you know. Yeah. But then I also look at people who can make things even more simple. Mm-hmm. And I just go, wow, that's so smart. And I just wish I could do that. You know, yeah. and not plug away for... <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you have that experience, but this doesn't happen as much as it used to, but I would be working on a painting and sometimes like six weeks into it I'd be like you know this is just not working out Mm -hmm. and so sometimes I'd have to just you know sand down an area of it or sometimes I would sand down the whole painting it's it's like they're like literally I mean erasing months of your life right it's just like in the backyard with a palm sander just off into the wind goes all that work but um, well, that's kind of beautiful, though. It's, it's like my, the time of my life is like escaping into the air. But, yeah, that's a little bit of a bummer. <laughs> yeah, but it, you have to self-edit, so it happens. Right. Yeah. I've, I've never been able to take a really long time on work. Like, I'm, I'm a quick person when it comes to making art. And uh, in graduate school, I was really nervous because I felt like all the, the professors didn't like my work because it looked kind of digitally and abstract and... You know, so I would do these number grids on it, and and I was like, you can't deny that I like because I worked all the time, you know. So I did these numbers and built fractals out of them. I was like, well, you may not like the way it looks, but when you look at it, you're like, well, he worked really hard on that. And I had that complex, you know, for the whole time I was in school. But then when I got out of school, I went to Skowhegan, and I was like, it doesn't matter anymore, you know. And so I just started simplified everything out. And I was like, I just want to paint that tree or paint that house or whatever. And then I got comfortable with just working quickly. But I think people, we have like an intuitive way of working. And if you fight it, it's going to, I think it shows, you know. Yeah, it's, um, I think so. Like, you know, what works for your your personality or like, like exactly what's the inside of you that, that is how you, you see 
value or, or, or what do you have to do to make yourself happy, right. you know, and sort of accepting that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think I still struggle with that a little bit in the studio. Mm-hmm. You know, do you, do you still feel, you, you, feel, you, you were saying that you've, you've kind of moved on past that. Do you still feel like you have to fight it at all or? Uh, in, here and there in certain works, you know, yeah. like there will be an image that's just more time consuming because the complexity of it and and I want to be done with it but I know I just have to trudge on and like you know to do it and then there's other times where I'll work on something I'll do a painting in a day wow and I'll think is is that and I know it's okay but you still get that inner gut feeling of like well that was really quick and I just go back to the idea that Alice Katz won't spend a day more than a day in this painting I'm like oh it's okay I'm fine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's funny it's the longer picture right like I'm right it's funny like if I you know painting little these little toggles on the, on the painting and then mm-hmm. the draw straps like they can be really difficult for me sometimes just because the it's a machine cut yeah. hard piece of plastic and you know it's subjectively painted but I try to make it still kind of have certain edges and I know in the past sometimes when I've painted one and it's come together like really quick Mm-hmm. I'll just go okay that there's got to be something wrong yeah, like, like they, there's no way I'll have to get like friends to come over and my wife to come down I'm like what do you think of that and like it looks good and I'm like okay that was just weird because usually it's a battle right it's like yeah. if it wasn't a battle maybe there's something wrong yeah we're <laughs> creatures of habit you know it's like if something comes too quick it's like if you hit the lottery you're going to look at that ticket and be like wait that can't be no you know <laughs> or like anytime something comes too quickly or too easily I think we're suspect like, yeah. wait that can't be but some of the most beautiful forms of expression are like intuitive and quick, and, you know, and true. not overthought, you know. Yeah. And I think it all depends on every. It, it depends on the work of like the way the artist thinks, and I think everyone has their own creative pace, you know. Yeah. How um, long? You know, I just to go back to your your process. How long would it, you you spend on a painting? Like typically, um, it if, depends. Like average size. Like so, there's no. Like we're talking days, months, or... No, I never spend months on a painting. Even the paintings that I've done that are like cityscapes that are really complicated with lots of buildings and layers and all that, it'll just take me weeks. It won't take months. Wow. And would you do... I can't do... I can't work on a painting that long. No. And would it be like, like start to finish or do you flip it around? Do you have a couple going at once or do you just... These days I do work on more than one at once, but no more than two. Um, but I used to, for, for a long, long time, it was one at a time. Because what I would do is if I had two going, I would mix paints and I would start using some of the paints in that one and that one. Okay. And then <laughs> it's cheating and it's, they start to look similar and, you know, I'll do that shortcut sort of thing. Well, I used to, but when I would try to, but now I'm more disciplined and I can work on two at once. Like right now I have two going at the same time and, and yeah, I'll just work back and forth between them. But I feel like three is pushing it. I'll get sidetracked, or I, I want, I'm not focused enough, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you work on more than one? Um, you know, now and then I'll do that. Um, right now I started a, a fairly large painting. You know, I did that more even when I was younger, uh, mm-hmm. years ago. But now I, uh, again, I think because time is precious to go back to that, but like I just really kind of start to finish yeah it's probably just one painting at a time and then that often has to do with commitments or um just family scheduling and and knowing like hey if i if i start a painting of a certain size there's a good chance it's going to be like two two and a half months and i Mm kind of have to plan my time out so 
Um, do you get pressure for, or the self-pressure? I mean, you mentioned that a little bit before, but of like, I mean, your work, people love your work, and I would imagine people are interested in getting your work. Do you feel the pressure, like, I gotta keep making work because it takes a while? You know what? Um, even before I was kind of painting professionally, you know, mm -hmm. like I had always had that feeling like I have to be producing. Right. Like, like, you know, when I was just in, in uh, doing my BFA and, and when I graduated, I was working part-time as a janitor and, you know, between shifts I was painting because I just had to do it. Yeah, like yeah. I just loved doing it. So there, I, I've always had that drive. Um, there's a, a business side now to it. Right. So definitely that can come into play with, with deadlines or, or commitments. But um, even if I, I, if I have a lot of free time and like I don't have anything coming up like a show or, or commitments or anything, I can only take so much time off before I'm like, I should just be back in the studio. Yeah. Like this doesn't feel right. I should be doing something. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that, it must be nice being not here sometimes too because then you can kind of you know, you have your own space and you're not worried about like, oh, I gotta go to Chelsea and go see a bunch of shows or go to these openings. I mean, is there something nice about being a little bit outside of the, the super chaotic city that you went to school in? Uh, you know, it's both. There, there are times where, again, like, like I love the art world, but there's times where for like a month, maybe six weeks, like I, you know, I don't look at any read any magazines you know I don't now with Instagram it's a little different every day I can I can kind of see what's going yeah. on um, but I don't think about the art world I'm completely you know doing my paintings even when I'm working on the painting I'm still not really thinking about the art world because I, I just don't while I'm painting I, yeah. I, you know I'm thinking about other things right. and then the, our family routine I've got my hobbies I'm thinking about that mm -hmm. and then I'll kind of like come out of that for a while and go wow I haven't been you know, back to New York or to like an, an art center for a long time. So I'll, I'll travel, go see some shows. Um, you know, when I, when I did live here, even like my last year, uh, in, when I was doing my MFA, I think I didn't, I did I rarely went out to see shows cause I was so in the zone in the studio. Yeah. So it's a little bit of both. Like I, I miss it, but then I can come down here and kind of catch up on things or if there's a bunch of sh big shows coming up that I want to see I'll make an effort to come out and see them and yeah. stay in touch how, how do you feel about living here I mean you must have so many opportunities like it, it must be hard uh, do, do you feel like you're missing stuff if you kind of just no well I think it's the kind of I talk to a lot of people about this who have left or people who are here I, I feel like if it's always going on especially with music music's a good analogy there's always a show like I could go see a show any given night of good music. Right. So I feel like I don't need to go see it because it's always going on. It'll, it'll be there next week or tomorrow, exactly. right? Yeah. So a lot of times I'll go a month without, or maybe two without going to see shows. I mean, here and there I'll go to one or two if I'm doing a podcast, but sometimes I'm just, I, I, I get caught in my zone and you don't feel the guilt or you don't feel like, um, I'm separated from it because if I want to, I can hop right over the bridge and go to Lower East Side and see like 50 shows in a day. You know what I mean? Hmm. So it's almost like since it's there, there's less pressure. Whereas I think if I were, I have friends who've moved out of the city and what they do is they, they make it a point to come here once a month, go see all the shows because it's a destination and not distracted by other things they have to do because they're not living here anymore. So it's a little more focused of a trip and, and they they're more kind of like uh, focused about going to see shows, you know. Yeah, that can. I've 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 found that 
I'll do that. I'll plan a trip and I'll be like, I'm on a mission. I've got yeah. all these shows to see. And then halfway through my trip, I'm just so tired. And it's like, <laughs> you, you know, you can't cram yeah. art in. It just, for me, it doesn't work that yeah. way. So you it's art fatigue. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, how many shows can you see in a day? Um, so it can be difficult even to do that when I yeah. do come down. But that, I mean, guess, yeah, the way you're saying it too, that could be very relaxing if you, to live here and yeah. then just to have no stress. And, it's there. You know, it's like there if I need you. to, I can find a good sh- And really, you only need like two or three good shows to see to really give you that energy. And you know what I mean? It's true. Like if you go out and you, and you go to Chelsea or Lower East Side or go Uptown or whatever and you see like three good shows, I feel like for me that's fuel for the fire for another month, you know? Absolutely. It's like, it's, it, but it is important to see that stuff or to have that like feeling of you know dialogue with what's going on I think but you know I have a lot of students who ask me like do I need to move to New York do I need to move to LA or and I say not necessarily but there is something to be said for being in that environment like psychologically I think it helps you you feel connected when you need to go out and see work you can and if you need to get a studio visit you can it's not impossible to do it outside of the city but I think it it does give you certain things you know yeah, and, and also um, just to have like an underst- like an understanding, if you can, of just like what is going on in the art world and like how complex it is. Yeah. You know, when you so when you come here and you you see shows and there's openings, like to understand like what's also happening besides just the, the artwork right. and the gallery yeah. and, and being aware of that, I think that's important to mm-hmm. I mean for me it, it was it's it still is important to constantly be around that and, and just enjoy it and also understand what's going on. Yeah. And then get to know the, the not so great side of things. Yeah, too. sure. The downside. Going to Hollywood, it's like you know, <laughs> to learn how agents work and like, the soul crushing part of it, and also the great part of it. That's you know, right. Every business, every quote unquote world has its ups and downs. But yeah, you kind of have to, you know, know about those things. And unfortunately, like you got to learn that stuff firsthand. You know, you have to have shows. You have to talk to people and have friends to sort of go through that because there's no real education on how to like do this for a living like how to make artwork as a job it's true and then also just to um like what are you comfortable with you know like and what 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 can you say that was okay or that wasn't cool or or the relationships you're going to have with people in the art world with galleries and and just other artists and curators like all of that like where's your comfort level with that you know I think it's good to to figure that out too like how do I fit into this what's my you know what's my play like how do I feel about all this stuff yeah it's it's something like I, I, I feel like myself I just learned on the spot you know I think maybe these days there's more information out there but when I was in school you didn't get that education they just taught you you know, art like painting or whatever, and they didn't really talk about nuts and bolts. But I imagine these days it's a little more. I wonder about that. Yeah, like the uh, same thing with when I was here doing my MFA. It was um, they had visiting artists come through, and, and some of the artists would, um, if you if you wanted to, they would sort of talk like the business side. But yeah. but it wasn't like you kind of had to search for it. It wasn't given to you. Or right. it, it, obviously there was no course on that. Yeah, yeah. So um, um, yeah, I don't know. Now it could be a different world. Yeah. yeah. So you, uh, I would be remiss if I don't mention one of my favorite musicians. Okay. Who now goes by Caribou, but he used to be called Manitoba. Are you familiar with his music? You know, I. Dan Snaith is his name. I, now he lives in London, I think. That's funny. I'm sure I know the name, and yeah. it's possible I've listened to it, but I, I'd have to say I don't really listen to. No, I don't have yeah. it. Yeah, no. it's in the boards of Canada. I think that 
they're kind of related in that. Or at least the earlier music of his was kind of... Like the same kind of mood? In a similar vein, Okay. Yeah. yeah. And but, Boards of Canada, they're from Ireland, aren't they? Or well, was it yeah. in the UK? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Ireland. Or mm-hmm. Wales. Wales or Ireland, somewhere, or Scotland. Maybe maybe they're Scottish. Okay. <laughs> somewhere over there. Yeah. But they're really reclusive. Like, no one really knows much about them. I think they keep a, a low profile. And their music is kind of mysterious sounding too, which I like. It, you know, I'd have to say I, I like I love their music so much that um, I won't play it as much as I'll play other music. I guess I'm almost like I don't want to wreck it. Yeah, or, or I know like that. over experience it because it's so good. And like there are certain days where I'll put it on. I'm like, man, it's just it's powerful. It, it really is. works for me every time. Yeah. But if, if if Manitoba's that good, I should check it out too. It's yeah, yeah he's really good. I mean, he's he's progre- He's like gone into different areas but yeah he's really good but I remember when I first got introduced to Boards of Canada was when I was in Skowhegan and Tom Friedman who was there told me about them and so I was in the middle of Maine in the woods like listening to that music it was the perfect setting I could imagine that would be great so I think it holds that moment in my life you know what I mean like certain things hit you at the right time and it just like it it seals in there or something it's like it's like a time capsule so their music I don't listen to it as much anymore because it has that it, like you're saying it has a certain power and place to it you know yeah that's good stuff it is it is yeah. I know we uh, my wife and I have a little patio on the side of our house with this big um, fire pit it's like a cauldron mm-hmm. I forget where we got this giant metal cauldron we'll just like have a big raging fire going and many nights like the sun will be setting and the ca- our outdoor couch is kind of facing West, so we can watch the sun go down. Yeah. We would have boards of Canada playing, and it's oh, like, oh, it's perfect. Yeah, I know what you mean. It just, it just feels <laughs> good. Yeah. yeah, that sounds really good. Cool. Well, what do you? So this show just came down recently, right? So do you have time now, or you, or you kind of have something else that you're working towards? Um, you know, right now there's there's nothing, no shows planned yet. I think this fall we'll we'll discuss options if there's options in the near future. Yeah. I kind of I have to plan pretty far ahead because right, yeah. it can take like um, you know if I were to do six or seven paintings a good year and a half oh my God. Um, to do them and <laughs> but there are, I think there are um, there might be an art fair coming up this fall yeah. that they might want a painting for and I'm sure we'll talk about that soon so um, something yeah something's always kind of coming. And where can future. where can people check out your work? You have you post on Instagram, so yeah, I post on Instagram, just my name at your name, yeah. yeah. And then um, you know, I actually don't have a, a website, but three hundred three has got. Uh, if you just go to the artist page, they've yeah. got a good selection of my work there, and um, yeah, well, that's well, that's pretty much it. Where yeah, I, I really should get a website. No, it's more Boards of Canada to not have a website. Right. You should probably get off all like digital media and go into hiding and become very mysterious. Go black and just go <laughs> dark. Like, yeah. That's like the new avant-garde is to like just go off the grid. Right. Like, what, what, remember, he made these paintings. No one knows what he looks like. Yeah, that sort of thing. That's like if you can pull that off in today's environment, <laughs> that's that's like the ultimate showmanship. You know what I mean? Like no one knows who he is or something. It's funny because everything is always out there, but. Um, I've been a, a huge fan of your paintings since the first time I saw them, which was a long time ago. So it's been it's it's really cool to meet up and talk about them. Yeah, no, thanks. You know, and, and same with your work. I really enjoy it. It's it's um, again like I, I appreciate the precision and the uh, the technical side of it, and just the complexity of those images are beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for meeting up. Yeah. Nice to meet you.
will love it. You can check out his music via his project, Nazca Lines, or catch him as a longtime contributor to the band Metronomy. All other music is provided by a longtime collaborator of my own, Sean Seymour, and his project entitled Lullatone. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review and a rating as well. You can check out more studio visit images at soundandvisionpodcast.com. And you can find out more about my own work at paintchanger.com. I currently have a show at Maho Kubota Gallery in Tokyo and have an upcoming solo show at my New York City representing gallery, a Meringer McHenry Yoe Gallery. Thanks so much for listening to